Welcome to the HR on the Offensive podcast, brought to you by Lace Partners. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, and welcome to this, the latest HR on the Offensive podcast. It's me, Chris, from Lace Partners. Thank you very much for joining us. We are very glad that you're here. Uh, Today, I have a quartet. So sometimes we do a duet, sometimes it's a threesome, but today is a quartet, and I've got two Laces with me, one of them who I affectionately call my partner in crime, but I was thinking about this, Ems. When there's three of us, you can't have like a duet or a partner in crime. So I was thinking about crime fighting trios. And the only one I could think about was Frank Drebin, Captain Ed Hocken and Officer Nordberg from Police Academy. So I'm going to have to work out and I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to have to ask you to work out which one you are. But uh, Emily Onis, thanks for joining us on today's podcast. Thanks for having us, Chris. Um, I, I have to admit, I maybe haven't even seen Police Academy. So, uh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Sorry. Uh, in that case, Aaron, <laughs> I mean, you must be spinning. So we uh, we talk at exec level about movies that people haven't seen. I think that's just been added to the list, hasn't it? Yeah, we're most definitely making up a long list for you, Emma, in I terms know. of films that you need to see. Joe Maguire is still on that list, I have yeah. to say to everyone. Outrageous. Terrible. Um, I was thinking crime fighting trios. How about Charlie's Angels? Oh, mm, isn't there like... Charlie's Angels and then a Charlie. So then does that make our guest today, Charlie, or as we'll uh, introduce him, uh, Duncan. It's Duncan Casemore from uh, Applaud. Duncan, thanks for joining us on this crazy uh, <laughs> uh, off-tangent uh, edition of the HR on the Offensive podcast. We're really, really glad to have you. It's Duncan Casemore from Applaud. Welcome to the show. Thank you, Chris. Delighted to be here. And what a great set of film recommendations to kick us off. <laughs> indeed indeed so um you guys have recently produced a digital employee experience trends report and that's what we're going to deep dive into today but before we go into that can i just get you to tell our wonderful listeners about uh, yourself and your background and then also about applaud the business as well please sure so i'm duncan Casemore. i'm one of the co-founders of applaud uh, i've been in hr tech my whole life um and i've been with applaud uh, from the beginning which was about 12 years ago now, um, we're a uh, what we call an experience layer. So as as the world has been buying more and more HR technology in the past few decades, our landscapes become increasingly more complicated. And so Claude is really designed to simplify things, make the journey for employees and managers much easier so that the HR tasks take less time. They can focus on what they're employed to do. And we can try and free HR from all of the admin of answering all of those inquiries. Um, so that's that's what Applaud, Applaud does. Um, a really interesting space at the moment. A lot of talk around employee experience and digital employee experience. So yeah, excited to be talking about this topic in the report. Yeah, brilliant. So can you just tell me a little bit about the motivation behind the report as well? Because um, I've obviously spoken to Rachel, your marketing director, who's given me a little bit of background. But it'd be really great if you can just tell us where this sort of idea originated from. Well, it's been a pretty exciting time in the last year or two, hasn't it? Uh, we used to talk about, I think it was in 2019, we started talking a lot about employee experience. Uh, and then we, um, we were talking about the future of work at the same time. That was really, really interesting times. And then something changed 
uh, last year and all of a sudden the future of work became the now of work and, and and overnight everything just changed enormously and the employee experience once separated from the digital employee experience became the same thing for a lot of people the digital employee experience was the employee experience and so all these HR teams going through all of this incredible change and, and doing amazing things we thought was a great opportunity to take stock and let's find out where people are at now, not quite post-pandemic, but post a lot of transformation with almost everybody working at home at the time that we collected a lot of these responses. And we asked about uh, 150 senior HR leaders, what is what does their digital employee experience look like having gone through all of this change? Where are we at now? Of course, an area we're really interested in. And so that's why we that's why we commissioned the report. That's why we collected all of that data. And there's a series of questions about you know, what is the state of your employee experience today? And Duncan, perhaps before, you know, we delve into some of the statistics and interesting findings from, from our perspective with you, a question for me would be, what was it that really struck you when you went through those findings? What was your own personal kind of light bulb takeaway moment? It was, I mean, there was, there was a real mixture and it was clear that that some organisations were already further ahead with this before the pandemic started and had set themselves up to be a more agile uh, organizational structure were more resilient to fast change and used almost used the pandemic as a catalyst for change and there was others who were really sort of struggling to to make those changes and having to really fight hard to embrace a lot of a lot of new change um, and changes their organization. So a real, a real mixture of things. I mean, there's some there's some really interesting statistics in there. I think the takeaway is we've still, we've still got quite a long way to go. We've still got work to do, uh, which is both an opportunity for, for HR teams. Um, so great, great progress, but still more to do. Great. And I think perhaps the one thing that struck me and then, then Aaron, I'll I'll ask your perspective as well. You know, there's things in there around kind of hyper-personalization, what a consumer-grade experience might look like, but kind of picking up on your point around the digital experience was someone's employee experience, particularly over the past 12 months. That point around um, later on in the report, it says, you know, less than 14% of companies that you spoke to or, or leaders that you spoke to offered induction to remote working when someone moved from that physical to remote piece. And obviously being remote, that is all about the digital experience, which... <laughs> It's fascinating that it was such a low percentage that supported that transition, I guess. Um, have you got any thoughts as to why that might be? Based yeah, on it's, it, it's incredible, isn't it? I mean, I think we've been we've been so caught up trying to keep the lights on and and allow people to be able to work from home. And some of the uh, some of the work that retail organizations and financial organizations have done to rehouse their call centers into home locations is just absolutely astonishing. And that's just an enormous amount of work just to physically get that organized. And I don't think perhaps we've stopped and thought enough about, well, what is the what is the actual employee experience of this? How are we feeling about this? What do we need to what do we need to adapt? How do we make our home working environments more productive how do we cater to flexibility and personalization around that and so i think i think it's been so hard to make that move we've been so focused on it but actually um it's pretty astonishing to think that in hindsight we haven't even equipped employees to know how to work at home when they've never done it before 
Um, and I think the same is true for managers too. I don't think we've done a uh, enough yet to train managers to to look for signs of of, of wellness, uh, other health signals. How do you how do you support your team? How do you keep engagement up? So there's some really interesting things there, and there's, there's some quick wins that you can do around that too. That's really interesting, isn't it, Duncan? And I was really struck by one of the points around the sort of bifurcation of businesses around the response. You know, those that had lent in and done well and those that i'm sure we'll spend most of the time talking about now that are that have not uh, done as well and have struggled a little bit with how to connect and and leverage digital and engagement um, and the experience to to help through this but one of the one of the things that really came out was the, your, your point about i think your respondents said only about 27 percent said their hr was consumer grade in terms of experience and i just i'm interested what does it for those others what did consumer grade look like for HR? Yeah, I think we've, and organizations are doing some really good stuff in this area. Um, we've spent a lot of time talking about design thinking, you know, we're, we're, big, we're big Lace fans and the work that people are doing around some of that design thinking are really thinking about designing for the empty chair and, and getting that employee experience uh, through the lens of journeys and personalized is, is really good. But we've also been at times quite inward focused and we've been trying to get our ship in order. We've been getting our core HR systems in place, getting our reporting infrastructures in tidy, you know, trying to consolidate systems. And uh, we've now, for many organizations, got a lot of fantastic HR capability, but actually we haven't yet done enough to look at it through the lens of the employee consumer. Um, you know, our employees, our managers, our pre-boarders, our alumni. And I think in the same way that marketeers have been just obsessing over the customer experience for so long, we need to do the same in HR. We haven't quite done enough of that yet. So I think really looking at looking at the way our cust our employee customers engage with those work services and those HR services and really trying to make that experience simple, seamless, enjoyable, memorable is, is is where we've got an opportunity to do more. So I think, you know, taking some of that design thinking work, if you haven't done it yet, do it. Um, really looking around the vision maps and some of that strategic part. Then when then when you understand that, that's when you can start looking at the right tech that you need to support some of that capability. And, and sort of Duncan, just reflecting on what you've said there, I wonder if there's something in you know, the consumer experience has clearly been ahead of the internal employee experience for a long time. So therefore keeps evolving and is increasing at pace in terms of what's out there and, and kind of the experience of that and getting better and better. So we're already starting on the back foot. And if we're not careful, we're going to keep going backwards, if that makes sense, because the gap between the consumer experience and how quickly that's changing and where we are now will get bigger. So First, the challenge is how do we step up and, and build that pace, perhaps, um, and whether you've seen any examples of from, from your conversations, organisations that are perhaps doing things that are quite simple, but have really big impact and start that journey. Yeah, it's a really tough one, isn't it? And I, th I think that gap is uh, that gap is still growing between um, employee expectations and the reality of what they're engaging with. You know, we, pro productivity is is still down. For employees, despite you know huge investments in 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 technology and many other areas, I mean I think it starts it starts with a vision. Um, it starts with a great vision that really is truly customer focused. I think if you can if you can get that vision right, 
and you can get that st strategy right. That's where you can really start looking at, you know, defining your personas, your key personas. And it doesn't, you don't have to go crazy necessarily, but defining some of those personas and really looking at some of those key journeys. You know, there are, there, there, there's hundreds of employee touch points, but there are probably 30 or 40 critical ones. So really focusing on those and how you can redesign experiences for those critical touch points is a great starting point. Also, I think we don't yet take enough feedback from the employees themselves. Often we make decisions for people without them being in the room, which is crazy. So I think co-designing, co-designing experiences with the actual customer in the room is is a real quick win to do that so many people don't do. And it's, it's amazing. So I think if you do that, that's that that will give you um, the information that informs where you've got opportunity to make quick improvements. And then I think the other angle of that is around designing the, the, the HR organization to really support that customer experience. So, you know, the future shared service model and the operating model, which is really designed to be agile, innovative um, and fast paced. So that we're looking at continual change, um, working in sprints, getting our product owners. You know, there's a, so I think we've seen some organizations that have done a really good job. And I've got exciting new emerging roles coming in the HR organization to really support this and others that are, you know, that are still sort of looking at implementing a shared service model and haven't quite um, made the leap into that next generation structure. I couldn't agree more. And I think that, but as you say, there's some great new roles coming into HR from just the sort of from employee experience owners, which, you know, is, is, didn't even exist really five years ago as a concept in an HR structure. But as you say, they're product owners and moving away from global process owners, moving to product owners thinking through agile uh, methodologies, embedding those into an HR organization, which you know, traditionally hasn't moved in that way. It's, it's fascinating and you know, clearly something that Emma and I are very passionate about at LACE and what we do. I, I'm really interested on this gap piece as we were just talking about there around the sort of consumer experience and versus the employee experience and, uh, and how that gap grows. And I, I guess one of the things that we've seen on the consumer side is, is high personalization and your report calls out some quite uh, stunning things around the fact that, you know, in HR, around the people experience, less than 10% of, of organizations, I think, offer a level of hyper-personalization. I, I guess I'd love to understand, if, you know, from yourself, Duncan, what the, the thoughts are around why that is and, and how that gap can be closed. Yeah, uh, it's, it's amazing, isn't it? Less than 10% offer hyper-personalization, but I think it was something around, you know, only 40, only 40% offer even some kind of personalization. So, and the, 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 the uh, HR leaders that were completing this, uh, the questionnaires that fell into this survey were from large global enterprises operating in multiple countries. So what you're really talking about is an experience that is broadly the same for everybody globally, which is, which is just which is astonishing. So I think um, I'm not sure organizations know know how to create hyper-personalization. And I'm not sure that the structure that they have around the HR organization is really, um, is really able to deliver some of that personalization. And I'm not sure the technology is agile enough to be able to adapt and support that personalization. So it's, it's, quite, it's quite a difficult thing to, to get all of those components lined up and working. We're seeing uh, some of our customers personalize, not, 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 not some of it's not rocket science, but personalizing by, by country and region. 
it's kind of obviously so that you know a, a an employee in the UK is seeing policy information that relates to the UK they're getting you know FAQs that are relevant to them and their job role but also persona personalization as well so you know giving a different experience to a retail um, manager to someone who's a a new office space manager as an example um, and then feeding into that some of the things that we can do to help drive value for our customer, sort of creating mini nudges for managers. Hey, it's been a while since you checked in on someone's performance and, and, and goals, or um, you've got someone starting next week, you know, have you really thought about what is the perfect onboarding experience um, to prepare for that? You've got someone leaving your team and transferring, you know, have you, how are you going to backfill? How are you going to create a good onboarding experience? So I think some of those nudges as well, really focused around uh, really very specific to where that individual is in their career at that moment in time is it, it is really instrumental to create that hyper personalization but it takes a fair bit to line up the structure around that to deliver yeah i think what you've mentioned about the personas is an interesting one because and that's that less than 10 percent of businesses offer hyper personalization i think again just a personal opinion i think it's quite easy to be asked that question about whether you offer that and instantly just think I don't even know where to start. You know, we've got 20,000 employees across multiple geographies, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. You know, where do we even start? But I think the building out of those personas is your is your step to be able to offer that. But what, what I'm also interested about, and we, we obviously talked about it briefly, the four of us, just before we uh, we went live today, and this was a conversation that Emma and I had on a, a previous podcast, was this idea of... Uh, do you need to hyper-personalize everything? So I guess this is a question that I'll open up up to the floor, but because you're our guest, I'll let you uh, you start, Duncan. But do you think there's a danger of people trying to hyper-personalize everything and as a result, not being able to see the wood through the trees? And it's almost like, well, focus on the bits where you know it's going to add the value. No, get those personas right and then evolve from there. Yeah, well, I, I'm not sure there's a one size fits all for everybody here, and I think every organisation is 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 different and will have a slightly different vision and strategy around this. And I think if you get that part right, the rest will follow through more easily. But you said certainly, you know, the idea of 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 trying to personalise absolutely everything is likely to be over ambitious and result in a, a big program of work that ends up not getting very far very quickly. And so where, where we have restructured around Agile teams, it's, it's a great way to continually deliver small improvements, incremental improvements every few weeks, every sprint to add more and more value over time. So that you start off quite small. You, know, you can look at those critical touch points, look at some of those uh, key personas, look at those key moments. You know, whether it's onboarding, offboarding, you know, whatever, and really focus on some of the personalization around those key moments to start with. And then over time, build that out to a broader, a broader audience, broader journeys. And I think sort of for, from my point of view, one of the things that really strikes me is a lot of organizations will be looking at this and be looking at their personas and kind of on that journey, um, and which is all great. But I talk quite a lot about really the value side of it and how you know that you've made success and I suppose one of the things for me is so you don't go too far down the hyper personalization journey and you strike the right balance creating that kind of experience forum you mentioned it at the top of our, our podcast Duncan getting people together that continuously look at well what is it that makes sense to do what's the value of that going to be and for that it could be a continuous improvement forum you could call it anything but they're constantly looking at where should we really be making those small changes or maybe it's a big change for the right value 
and where you draw the line because it's, it would be so easy to say we've got 30 40 key touch points let's do all of them but even within that list there'll be 10 maybe that will give you the greatest value mm. and and ultimately some of that might not even be physical changes it's more of the how does it feel and one of your your principles i, I noticed at the back of the report was making meaningful for someone and sometimes the way something feels meaningful is the way that a conversation is had with them so for me, that kind of framing of how you get to the right moments and continuously improve those moments and that governance piece is quite important, I think. So you don't go too far down the line, but actually not add lots more incremental value by doing all that extra work. And Aaron, I'm interested in your your thoughts as well. Yeah, no, I, it, I, I agree. I couldn't agree more with, with both points, which is don't don't overdo it. Don't don't reach too far. Look for the value and keep it focused. I'm, I'm always struck on on these conversations, though, about the goal of employee experience is about sort of increasing engagement, increasing that that sense of belonging to an organization. You know, we all make that intuitive leap or that less intuitive leap these days, data leap to uh, customer experience and 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 revenues for business and so on by good good engagement and and good experience for your employees. I think that's all well established. But you know, people still leave jobs not because of the experience they leave, but because of the line managers. And in most cases, we know that stat hasn't really changed over the years. Um, and I think for me, part of the the value space is getting it right for line managers. Right? They they engage less frequently with some of these processes, but if they can engage on them and do them really well, that has a, a really magnified impact, I think, on experience. And I know, Duncan, one of the things you focus on is, is also that line manager bringing all the aspects together in one place, line managers, to make it easy for them so that they can make the biggest impact. Yeah, that's, that's so true, Aaron. I think we... We talk a lot about how do we how do we focus entirely on creating more value for our employees and managers because often HR processes are you know very much about them filling out forms and in their eyes wasting their time having to do these things. So how do we re- how do we really rethink that so that we're creating value for them? We're helping helping them be better managers. Um, some of those nudges is a simple, effective way to do some of those things is to sort of say you know hey look uh, this is happening in your team here's Here's things you might want to think about. Here's a checklist of, of of activities, or here's ways that you can you can do this better and improve, and really couldn't support them through some of those journeys because managers own most of the touch points that impact employee experience. We can help design them, but managers own most of those as we really do. You know, equipping managers is absolutely at the forefront of designing better experiences. The other thing that was surprising is is just how few people collected feedback as well. Uh, maybe something we'll come on to, but as part of this, we looked at those who collect, you know, who are able to collect regular feedback from their from, the, from their employees. And still so many are doing still doing once a year employee surveys. There is almost no one, this was the most surprising thing to me, is almost nobody collecting real-time feedback, in the moment feedback. You know, how was your day one onboarding experience? Um, how, how was that transfer experience to you? How was your first experience interacting with the HR call center? There's very, very little real-time feedback collected and then used to drive and then continually improve that experience. And again, you know, collecting that feedback from employees and managers has got to be got to be key. I think it's uh, it's a great point. I'm working with an organization right now looking at exactly that. And one of the things that they've realized by centering around employee experience and engagement is the need to move to a continuous feedback loop as they call it so that and and, and recognizing multiple listening points in the organization and then using digital to really underline that uh, and and bring that in 
and and I guess one of the things that goes with that, if you're if you're continuously listening and looking for feedback, is those sort of continuous nudging of people through the through the process and and, and testing with them their experience and, and continuing to do that. And I guess for a lot of us, we get that almost in not instinctively, but it is it's subconsciously. That's the word I'm looking for. We always get it subconsciously through mobile phones, right? That's one of the things. If you think about your own consumer experience through mobile phones, it's constantly done nudging you for those little bits of feedback and experience. I, I think in the report, it, it highlighted the fact that still a large number of HR functions, like um, only 58%, are using mobile to access for access to HR information, which really surprised me. I think it's just so prolific these days, the mobile access. Did it surprise you, Duncan? It did. It did surprise me. And um, perhaps what's maybe not clear from that statistic is you, you might have mobile apps on your estate from your various different cloud vendors that are perhaps available to use. But the adoption and usage rates of those are surprisingly low and even more the the experience is really disjointed and not consumer grade in many cases too so as well as the mobile usage being really low which is just incredible in an anywhere work world post almost post pandemic to have such low adoption rates of mobile the actual experience of mobile is not you know it's not a, a black white on off the actual experience of mobile is really very poor in many cases too um, and really when we think about digital employee experience mobile is it, it sh- we should be thinking in terms of mobile first and in some cases mobile only mm. can i just ask a quick question in the report obviously you guys have broken it down by sectors so from that mobile question were there any sectors that you kind of anticipated that performed maybe uh, or, or weren't offering these services as much as others and the reason why i asked that question is because i think about us you know as a as a business you know we're white collar workers we all we all transition to remote working we're all familiar with this kind of environment and so naturally our adoption of using mobile tech is going to be a little bit quicker than perhaps say businesses that might work in shipping or logistics or where it's a little bit more blue collar so did you see that trend bore out yeah, it was quite interesting to and many and almost surprising really to see that a lot of a lot of organizations with a large desk-based population actually had higher mobile usage than some of the organizations that had distributed uh, remote workforces such as oil and gas um, education sectors were lacking behind um, healthcare was fairly high finance was really you know really um, at the top of the pile on this, which is kind of surprising to me, um, is really the, you know re- retail organisations, oil and gas, and those with the biggest remote workforce should get a huge amount of value from from having mobile capabilities. Yet lagging, lagging in deploying that. I wonder though if if some of that is because the more kind of frontline or unwired in in kind of another way of saying it, workforce are. They got their own personal phones because because most of us now will have smartphones. So you might not have a company phone, but you've got your own phone. And there's that security question. You know, does an organisation push out as part of BYOD all of the various apps that they're going to need? And actually, if they do, should they push out one app that should your front kind of shop window that then you can access everything else? Which I think leads nicely to an observation that that you make in the report around perhaps the role 
that IT plays with HR in implementing kind of digital employee experience measures. And traditionally, I, I kind of in the old world, I say old world because I'm talking about a couple of years ago because there's been a change. IT would be more of that kind of custodian and go, no, no, this is mine. I'm going to implement it. You give me the requirements. This is this is mine. HR is now saying, actually, we own the experience with this. It's our product. Let us build the capabilities to self-implement. And you talk a little bit about sort of the code, low code, no code, sorry, and low code environment and, and sort of your thoughts on that in the report, which would be very interesting just to explore a bit more. Yeah, great. Thanks, Emma. It's, it's so interesting. And I, I think the, the the pandemic has changed so much, you know, where we may have been looking at massive rip and replace projects before we're looking at sort of investing in new new types of technologies, which um, a lot more experiential and and driving support for uh, our, our workers who are now anywhere. And I think one thing we've learned is that uh, we we haven't been agile enough um, during during the pandemic. You know, we've 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 done incredible things, but we just wish we just wish that our technology was a little bit more agile in supporting some of that. Uh, very often we've been at sort of the mercy of big backlogs of change requests that are stuck with IT to make any change to a portal at all. I mean, the, the report highlights that in many cases, HR can't make any changes to a portal without IT, which just strangles innovation and agility. And so uh, in the end, in, whereas the enterprise space traditionally has been quite high code, we're just seeing such an enormous movement towards no code and low code tools. And um, organizations are choosing vendors that are specifically no code and low code to really support agility um, so they can innovate faster and also support you know the new structures that organizations are putting in place which is really really interesting to see yeah it certainly is and in fact um, as we were talking again just before we uh, we went live on today's podcast we were talking about how last week we spoke to a company that do just that uh, future workshops they do low code no code and they're seeing an increase in uh, hr professionals getting involved in that build stage rather than it just being the sole preserve of the IT team. We are just coming up towards the end of today's podcast. I wanted to do just a quick final, maybe one, two or three takeaways that you would uh, you would offer to our listeners today, Duncan, if they don't have the opportunity to read the report. Of course, we will put it in the show notes and we heartily encourage them to. But if you can leave them with anything um, with regards to the report, is there anything that you would like to just pick out just before we wrap up today? Uh, well, the, the the first the first one is entirely shameless, and I, I would recommend that people do complete the the audit because you can still complete that online. And what you get at the other end of it is a personalised report that makes recommendations based on your answers. So that's still something you can do. Um, the second one I, I would encourage everybody to do is before we go out and buy any technology, we must you know, and and I'll probably get crucified for saying this from a SaaS. Um, tech company, but technology is a small component of the overall delivery. So it really is, if you haven't already, sit back and and focus on getting that vision and strategy and roadmap right before you go and uh, look at your what technology you need to support that. Getting that vision piece right uh, with organizations like LACE is, is just absolutely crucial to success um, and to really keep the focus correct. Um, but that's, that's the other thing I'd say. And then thirdly, and I think we're getting there, but we still have work to do is is change is really focused on changing our mindset to be utterly focused and centered around the needs 
of our employees and managers and how we can create value for them um, and to be completely selfless when we're thinking about our customer. Brilliant. Well, Duncan, it has been absolutely amazing having you on. Um, really, really good to, to, to chat and find out a little bit more about Applaud and the, uh, the digital EX report and also the audit as well. So again, we'll put a link to the audit in the show notes. So if you want to uh, complete your audit, then certainly we'd encourage you to do that. Emma, as always, uh, Frank Drebin, thank you for joining me or one of Charlie's Angels. I'm really not sure if what you've just said is a compliment, but I hope it is, else you're in for it. <laughs> uh, Aaron, once again, good to have you on. Thank you very much for joining me. Been a joy, as always, Chris. And Duncan, thank you for your time. I've loved it. Thank you, Chris. Uh, you can get this podcast on iTunes. We are on Spotify. We are on Stitcher, SoundCloud. If you go to the Lace Partners website, you can see all of the places you can find us. It's lacepartners.co.uk forward slash podcast. And we will look to see you or not see you, but hear from you or, well, you can hear from us and the next HR on the Offensive podcast. Thank you. Bye-bye. Mm-hmm.